Um, let me pray. Father, we are here to encounter you. Uh, we are uh, not here uh, to have um, uh, to have our preferences uh, affirmed, uh, but Lord, we are here to change because we've met with the living God that we know that you in your spirit combine with your word and you bring about not just a transfer of information into our minds, but Lord, you transform our hearts. So do so uh, even now. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, last week, uh, we started our series on Camp Hope. Uh, we talked about uh, Camp Hope is about camping. It's about life on the outside, the great outdoors. And life uh, in the great outdoors is unpredictable. You've got the weather to contend with. It can be unpredictable. You've got wildlife, things like mosquitoes, all the way to bears you've got to contend with when you're camping in the great outdoors. You don't have the uh, modern conveniences in the great outdoors. So life on the outside can be unpredictable. It can be uncomfortable. And if you're like me, I, told, I was very candid with you about my great disdain for the great outdoors. Uh, I like being outside, but just let me have an air conditioning unit. Uh, let me have a bed. Let me make sure I can take my shower every day. Uh, but life on the outside is unpredictable and uncomfortable. Life on the inside is predictable and comfortable. And we're going to use that as a metaphor uh, for the church, that we would prefer to be doing church things with church people than doing not church things with not church people, that we're afraid of the outside. And so we just cocoon here within a building, here within just our own relationships. And so we're going to look, what is life on the outside like for us? And so we're kind of laying down three things, these three fronts, these three foci, focuses is an incorrect word, but it makes more sense to me. Uh, these three focuses that we're really going to hammer in on. We're going to talk about the skeptic. We're going to talk about uh, those who are unchurched and disinterested in the gospel. And those are the kind of people we want to see coming to our church. We don't just want to see a continual transfer of membership around our city or new people coming from the outside in. We want to welcome, if that's you, we welcome you. But we want to see people converted. We want to see people who have no interest in the Christian faith come to Jesus. So that's one, one group, the skeptic. We're also going to talk about the poor, talk about serving the poor. That's where we're going to be at tonight. We're going to talk about doing the work of racial injustice, uh, of racial reconciliation, that we want to undo the injustice that we see in our society. So we're going to do each of those in the next three weeks. Now, there are other fronts we could work on. We could be looking at international missions. We could be talking about campus ministry. We could talk, be talking about education or abortion. And all those things are important. We cannot neglect those things as Christians and claim to follow Jesus. But churches, all of them, have to say, here's our focus. Here's what we're going after. And this is what we're going after. So we started last week with this 30,000-foot overview. We were in Genesis 12 or we're God tells Abraham that, you, that I'm blessing you, not just for your own good, but I'm blessing you so that you might be a blessing. That's where we were last week. And so this week we're going to talk about serving the poor. And as we talk about serving the poor, I just want to address one thing. And it's this whole matter of privilege. See, many times when we talk about poverty, uh, many of us, if you're like me, you just begin to feel guilty. This overwhelming guilt because deep down, you know, in your heart of hearts, that you have what you have largely because of where you were born and who you were born to. You know that. 
In fact, those two factors, they've been proven over and over again to be the top two determinants for one's financial standing. In other words, that there are forces outside the life of the individual that control where we end up as far as material goods. And that's likely how many of us think. I saw one study this week that Christians in America are twice as likely as the general population to blame a person's poverty on a lack of effort. Now, some people might be, might be poor and it has something to do with a lack of effort, but the data suggests that it's systems that have failed poor people like education or health care or job training or real estate loans, transportation, and the like. So, we just feel guilty when what we should feel is empathy. See, what guilt does is it keeps things about you, how you feel. And so you're motivated by guilt. You start going out and doing things only to soothe your own conscience without any real regard for the poor. But if it's empathy, then you're focused on other people. You're not focused just on yourself, and you will begin to act in love. And maybe this is a whole new way of thinking for you. If that's, if that's, that's true, if that's, true then that's fine. That's just where you're at. But think about the flip side of that. I think the reason that many of us think that way, the Americans in the church, is because not just we want to say you're poor because of your lack of effort. We want to say we have stuff because of our great effort. In other words, there's this unseen arrogance that's in our hearts for where we've ended up in life. And so the best thing to do is that as we begin to explore our privilege is that it gives us great empathy for others and it humbles us. And this is going to be just a one-time conversation where we talk about it here. Then we talk about it whatever night, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday night this week in Camp Hope. This is going to be something we're going to continue to talk about. Not just issues of poverty, but also our issues of privilege. Because I think empathy and humility are going to be a really key part of this whole journey for us. So uh, tonight, our scripture reading is Matthew 25, familiar passage for many of us. Uh, We'll read verses 31 to 46. This is Jesus talking, verse 31. He says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Use your imagination here. What, what, What picture you got? All right. We got part of the picture. It's going to keep filling out. Before him, verse 32, will be gathered all the nations. And he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. So got this picture working? Got this going on in the back of your mind? Verse 35, for I was hungry, you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty, give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you? Or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them. Truly I say to you, 
as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers. You did it to me. All right, still working your picture. We got another picture coming here. Verse 41. Then he'll say to those on the left, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, you gave me no food. I was thirsty, you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, you did not welcome me. Naked, you did not clothe me. Sick, in a prison, you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, you did not do it to one of the least of these, and you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. So here we have it. Jesus gets real explicit about judgment. And he paints this picture. Did you get the picture? When I read this passage this week, I, I saw the angels behind Jesus. And I saw Jesus sitting here on a throne. And looking before him are, are the nations, all different kinds of people. And then he separates them. One on the right are the sheep. The ones on the left are the goats. And the sheep, the ones on the right, they get the reward. You see it in verse 34? Verse 34, they get the reward. And then verse 41, the goats get the punishment. And then Jesus sums up the whole thing in verse 46, where the goats get eternal punishment and the sheep get eternal life. Now, maybe that whole thing starts sounding like bumper stickers that you've seen. Maybe it sounds like billboards you've seen, flip or fry, turn or burn. Hell is real. I feel like that's a big one on 75 going south. Hell is real. And maybe that brings up pictures for you, maybe not of bumper stickers and billboards. Maybe it's people that you have seen on a college campus. Maybe it sounds like a church that you've been a part of in the past. So when you start hearing words like hell and Jesus' judgment, all those things start triggering for you. But I'd like to submit tonight that maybe... Those that have given you those images, those bumper stickers, those billboards, those, those college campus preachers, those churches that perhaps you've been a part of, maybe they were attacking this issue from a place of self-righteousness. But don't put that on Jesus. That's not why Jesus is talking about judgment here in Matthew 25. Jesus is talking about judgment for two reasons. One is he loves you enough that he wants you to be a sheep. He doesn't want you to be a goat. And so what are you? Are you a sheep or are you a goat? Have you submitted to Jesus' rule and reign in your life? If you have, you're a sheep. Have you ever thrown in the towel and said, I'm sick of trying to be the center of the universe? If so, you can become a sheep today. There aren't any special prayers, not any special codes. You just cry out to Jesus to find you. And then he's the one who makes you a sheep. So that's the first reason Jesus talks about it, is that he wants you to be a sheep. The second reason is, is he wants you to know that he's going to have the last word with the goats. See, we all have had goats who have ruined our lives. See, one of the universals of human experience is that we all have pain. Some of that pain is self-inflicted. We're sinners. 
And some of that pain is others inflicted. Other people's sin have hurt you. Other people's sin has hurt me. And the good news of Jesus separating the goats and the sheep is that Jesus is going to bring us the justice that we need. So, Jesus isn't bringing up this whole issue of judgment from a place of self-righteousness. He's coming to you in a place of letting you know that he loves you enough to make you a sheep and that he's going to be the one who brings justice. And so there's the reality. We've got this reality of the afterlife. We've got eternal life, eternal punishment. But it begs the question, (laughs) how do you become a sheep? How do you make sure eternal punishment isn't part of your story, isn't your fate? Well, Jesus tells us. That's what he does in verses 35 to 45. He lays out those two groups. And there's only one difference between the two groups. Both groups interact with the same group of six people, okay? You've got the sheep, and they interact with the hungry, the thirsty, the naked, the sick, the imprisoned, and the sojourner, okay? Six groups. Goats do that. Sheep do the same six groups. And if you look at the, those six groups, you'll find that three of the six lack the basic material necessities of life. They need food, drink, and clothes. The other three groups need friendship. The other three groups are isolated. They're lonely. They're sick. They're isolated. They're in prison. They're isolated. They're sojourner, meaning that they don't have enough cultural knowledge of what's going on to be able to connect with people naturally. And the sheep, what they do is that they meet the needs of those six people. They provide the material needs for those who need food, drink, and clothing. Or they go and visit those who are isolated. But all six groups require a high degree of proximity. Someone had to take a risk and get really close in order to meet the need. And that's a really important note, I think. See, some of us, we talk about the poor as an idea. We sit around, we pontificate on what politicians should do. We talk about how society has failed the poor. But other of us, we sit around and pontificate very, very differently. We don't, talk, we don't blame the politicians. We blame the poor themselves. We say they didn't make good decisions. They spend their money on drugs. They don't make good investments. They don't take care of their kids. On and on and on. And what both groups do is that they enrage the other. One group thinks that the other is crass and lacks compassion, while the other group accuses the other for not valuing the power of the individual. But both have the same problem. Do you see it? Neither want to get close, like really close. And that's what it's going to take. It's going to require an exchange of goods. It's going to take a personal visit. It's a lot easier to write a check. It's a lot easier to pontificate. It's a lot easier to politicize the whole issue of poverty. But it's really hard to get close. But here's the other thing that gets me in this text. It's not just the proximity. It's the people in verses 37 to 39, the sheep. 
Because when Jesus is talking to them as sheep and he starts talking about how, he meet, how they met all his needs, they ask the question. They say, we didn't see you, Jesus. We thought we were just loving the poor. And Jesus says, exactly. Because when they were meeting the needs of the poor, they're not trying to justify their standing before God by loving the poor. That's what self-righteous people of a certain political persuasion tend to do. Their every move, whether it's a social media shout out, whether it's a dollar given or even a vote, all are carefully calculated moves to say, look at me, I'm a Christian and I care about the poor. But that's not what authentic Christians do like the ones that we see in this passage. The ones that we see in this passage, the authentic ones, there's this sense of self-forgetfulness as they serve the poor. They aren't doing it to prove themselves. They're doing it out of a genuine love for their disadvantaged neighbor. And that's why Jesus commends it. Jesus is saying, that's what I'm talking about. So, see, we got to get things in the right order. Our fruit comes from a root Apples come from apple trees. You can't hang apples on orange trees and call the tree an apple tree. But that's what we do. We do good things for God, like loving the poor, which is just like hanging the wrong kind of fruit on our trees. And we're just saying, hey, look, I'm a Christian because I've got these apples on my tree. See what I did. All the while, the gospel is saying that your root hasn't changed. But when our root has been changed by the gospel, we produce the right kind of fruit quite naturally. See, loving the poor is not something you do because you're a social justice warrior. It's not something you do because you're left-leaning in your politics. It's not something you do because you want to prove your Christianity. It's something you do because you've seen yourself as poor and you've seen Jesus come to you in your poverty. See, have you ever self-identified as poor? I don't know if I ever have. I've never needed help from the government financially. Never had to ask for money from a nonprofit. I've always had the cash I needed. And a couple times I haven't had the cash I needed, I had a personal connection, i.e. a family member, to be able to meet my physical need. I've never been hungry, thirsty, and naked and not been able to provide for my own material need. I've never been to prison. I've never been a sojourner. And I've never been sick to the degree that I was lonely and isolated. It's never been my lived experience. But that doesn't mean that I'm not poor. See, I am poor. In fact, I'm not just poor. I'm in debt. Big time debt. And see, so are you. See, what your sin does and what my sin does is it not just strips us of our spiritual goods. It's not just that we're at zero. We're in debt. And we're in debt because of our sin against the holy God and it deserves wrath. So you see, before God, all of us, we're hungry, we're thirsty, we're naked, we're imprisoned, we're sojourners, and we're sick. And it's in that state that Jesus came to us. See, two weeks ago, Justin sang a song. 
They said that Jesus looked beyond our fault and saw my need. He looked beyond your poverty. He saw your need. And then he met it. Jesus got down on bended knee, close proximity. And he made sure that you had the bread of life, that you had the living water, that you had the robes of righteousness, that you weren't a sojourner, but that you were a family member, that you weren't sick, but you were well, that you weren't in prison, but that you were free. Jesus came to you in that state and he met your need. On this side of heaven, Jesus said, you'll always have the poor among you. But what if serving the poor was really for us to remember that we're really poor before Jesus as opposed to us saving the poor? May we be a church that serves the poor, not out of self-justification, but because we really love them and we need to be reminded of our position before God. Let's pray. Oh, Father, would you help us? As pastor, I, I, I don't really know what to do with this whole issue. I feel like I don't know any more about all this than I did when we started our church. But Lord, we want to grow. Lord, we don't know what that's going to take, but we just pray you'd help us. Force us to places we don't want to go. Help us to live on the outside. In Jesus' name, amen.